0: So I, I want you to have a little bit of excitement because I want to share God's Word with you today. It's been a long time since I had the privilege of standing up here and being a teacher. So the first thing I'm going to do, I said this years ago back in Buffalo, New York. I said the first thing I'm going to do uh, before I uh, preach, and two guys stood up to start taking the offering. And no, we're not going to do that. I'm going to pray. So let's just look to the Lord. Father in heaven, I just thank you for the privilege and the honor you give us, Lord, to share your word with each other. Now, Father, I pray that you use me as your vessel this day. Speak to my heart as well, Father. It's a humbling time to stand here and know the responsibility you've given me to teach my church family here today. Now, Lord, I pray that which we see in the word, that which we hear today, Lord, would be used to further the depth of our faith, that we would have an excitement, Lord, Looking forward to your return to this earth. It could be imminent, Lord. And now, Father, I pray these things again, not for selfish gain, but again, Jesus said, Our eyes would be focused on thee, for I prayed in the power of your name, Lord. Amen. Amen. You know, I wanted to come up here and I wanted to do something. I was told a good speaker always opens with something that's exciting to get your attention. So I thought about coming up and doing a karate demonstration. And, and to come up and put some boards here over some concrete blocks and, and then proceed to, to break them. And, and then I thought about it, and I thought, yeah, but then who's going to preach while <laughs> Dr. Steve is taking me over to the ER room to get my broken arm fixed? And, and so in my 50s, I might have done that. In my 60s, I might have thought about doing that. But in, in the 70s, you don't even think about it. You just leave that alone. And, and so, we're not going to do that today. Um, I enjoy music, and, and I, I oftentimes think about some of the songs that I sang when I was a teenager and in a band and played in a couple different bands back in those days. And that's why I enjoy uh, being up here with the worship group as well. So, we're picking up in, in today. Uh, by the way, this was my band. A few years ago, we got together after 50 years. We were back to New Jersey, and that's what it looks like. <laughs> the young boys are a little old to go to a rock. We are the band, and that's that's kind of how we looked. So, so thank you, Tanyan. Uh, today we're going to continue on in our study in the Book of Mark, and and Mark chapter 13. This corresponds as well as Luke chapter 24 or. or um, Uh, Matthew chapter 24 as well and um, I'm going to pick up at verse 24 but just just let me go back and pick up where Tri left off last week at verse 23 so be on your guard I have told you everything ahead of time this is what Jesus is giving to the apostles and he's got just a handful four of them in fact at this point And and there's a question given back in verse 4 of chapter 13, tell us when will these things happen, and what will be the sign uh, that they are all about to be fulfilled? Um, Now I'm going to date you, and I'm going to date some of you maybe at least. Uh, 1969, a group called the Five Man Electrical Band uh, did a song. Mark Cook probably knows the words to the song by heart. And and the fellow said, the sign said, long-haired hippie-type people need not apply. So I tucked my hair up under my hat, and I went in and asked him why. He said, you look like a fine, upstanding young man. I think you'll do. So I took off my hat, and I said, imagine that, me working for you. Signs, signs, everywhere a sign messing up scenery, breaking my mind. Do this, don't do that. Can't you see the sign? And that's what we're looking at here today, folks, signs. And we're picking up at, uh, do we have our scripture up there? At verse 24 of chapter 13 now. And by the way, um, that term, watch out, look, and it's it's repeated here several times. One of the little gems I like to give you as I teach is when you are reading the scripture and you see a word repeated once or twice, three or four times, pay attention to that word. So we have several phrases here. We have be on guard, be alert, be on guard, look, and all these words They come from a Greek word, the word is blepo, B-L-E-P hyphen O, blepo. And and it's to see and to understand. I tell people, while my sight is starting to fail as an older man, I see things more clearly today than I ever did before. And so this is what bleppo is. Not only do you see what's happening physically, but you understand. You see things more clearly at the same time. So at verse 24, he goes on to say, But in those days, following that distress... The distress that we're talking about here is the tribulation period. And and so try gave a new term last week, and I think he called it the pan-tribs. Now, my background and my teaching and the schools that I attended, most of the professors I had, several of the professors I had, came from Dallas Theological Seminary. So, so I happen to be one that leans towards, and, and I'm not saying one is better than the other, I'm just telling you, my position is, I lean towards, I believe that we will be taken up before the seven years of tribulation. If you look at some of the Bible timelines, and, and by the way, I, am, I lean towards the division of seven time periods, not equal time periods, time periods that we refer to as ages, or in the scripture from Ephesians, book of Ephesians chapter four, dispensations. This is where God says, here's what I want to do for man, and this is all you have to do. He puts Adam and Eve in the garden and says, this is what I'm going to give you. Just don't eat of that tree over there. And, and so every one of these ages, God pours out a blessing to the human race. Mankind fails in every one of these and, and so we have seven of these ages. And the age that we're in today, five of these periods have passed. And today we are in the age of grace or the dispensation of grace. God makes it so simple to be in a relationship with him, to have the opportunity to know beyond a shadow of a doubt First John chapter 5. These things I write, he said, that you may know that you are saved. And again, that word is not just hearing, but to have a deep, heartfelt understanding, to know that you're saved. If there is anyone here today, of anything I could teach and preach today, it's before you leave this building, if you have any doubt as to if God took your life right now, where you would be in eternity then you make sure you come see me or or see Phil or see Chance or or one of the other uh, uh, elders here in the church. I want you to go with that understanding that you have the gift of eternal life. And it is strictly a gift. So we're in the age of grace. And if you look at the Bible timeline, the seven years of tribulation at the end, and, and they can be divided in first half, three and a half, second half, three and a half years. And the first half, three and a half, we see relative peace. Second half, we see uh, literally all hell break out on earth because the devil himself will be here on the earth during that time. So we're looking at a period that now some Bible scholars put this in a separate zone outside of the age of grace. I don't. That tribulation period, there are people that are saved during that time. And so during that period, that seven-year period, we also find God is not through with the nation of Israel. And he has 12,000 men from each of the 12 tribes scattered throughout. There might be two men here. There might be 120 men over there, but 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes. And we find that over in Revelation, and we see that in chapter 7, 144,000. And, and I, I smile because uh, there is a large cultic group that believes that they were to be the 144,000. And I remember one time I was changing the oil back in Nebraska, had on my coveralls, and this fellow drove in with his suit and a white shirt and his tie. And uh, he, he got out and was holding his Bible and as soon as he started to talk, it's like God was giving me a message saying, do you know where he's from? And I'm thinking, I know, Lord. I know exactly where he's coming from. And so as we visited, and, and I always ask about family. Uh, is there anybody that doesn't like to talk about family? like. Well, well, this man would on to tell me about his sons and uh, what they were doing, where they were from. And, and uh, as we talked, and, and he told me that he hoped to be one of the 144,000, And and I took him over to chapter 14 of Revelation. And it talks about these men. It says they're not defiled by women. These 144,000 men are still chaste, if you get my understanding. And so when I pointed that out to the man, I said, "I, I, I really feel bad because according to Revelation chapter 14, you can't be in this group. And he looked at that, and he slammed his Bible shut, and he said, that's a different 144,000. Good day. And he was gone. <laughs> so if you're going to take something out of the scripture, make sure you can back it up in another verse somewhere. Uh, we find these verses in Mark are backed up in two other Gospels, especially in, in Matthew. So we go on down to say, be on your guard. By the way, and uh, we have some verses in Revelation. I'm going to have Taddy put those up there. <laughs> And in Revelation, I believe right here we have a glimpse of possibly what is the, uh, the, the time that uh, God takes people off the face of the earth here. Uh, verse 8 of chapter 1, I say, here is the author putting his name under the, you, you buy a book, it's got the name of the book, and right under that title is the name of the author. And here in Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, We have the name of the author. He says, I am, by the way, great Jewish word for God. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God. So when I talk to some of these cultic groups, I often ask them, I always ask them, who wrote the book of Revelation? I said, John, no, no, no. Who really inspired John and gave John the words to write down? And I said, look at verse 8. They said, well, that was the Lord God. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. That's the bottom line of everything I teach you today. Jesus is coming again. Um, some of you people may or may not remember the hymn. Phil, you spent some time around music. The uh, hymn, coming again, maybe morning, maybe noon, maybe evening, and maybe soon. Coming again coming again oh what a wonderful day that will be jesus is coming again i want you to understand that's a two-part event we have the rapture that takes place and the dead in christ will rise and then we have the seven years of tribulation and then we come back again and we spend a thousand years on the face of the earth and i want to tell you something that on earth during that time, I don't believe we have to worry about the pollution or anything else at that time because Jesus will literally have heaven on earth with us. So it goes on down to say, I, John, in verse 9, uh, by the way, uh, I am the Alpha and Omega, just just out of grins and giggles, over in Revelation chapter 22, You know, when you get to the end of the letter, you sign off on the letter. Revelation chapter 22, verse 12. Remember for for verse 8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty, the Lord God, says the Lord God. Revelation 22, verse 12. He says, behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And we drop down to verse 16. He says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David. So the cult, That, by the way, that's a common denominator for a cult, or or a dangerous religious group that denies the deity of Christ, that does not see that Christ is God in the flesh. Now, understood, he had to put certain restrictions when he came into the flesh. To look upon God, we could not in his glory. We could not just look upon God. He had to live, and he could not be killed and go to the cross and die in our place without placing restrictions. Uh, A good example would be the uh, work of omnipresence. He could be be God, but yet not omnipresent in the flesh. So there were restrictions placed on him, and I'll come back to that in Mark in a minute. So here we have the common denominator. They deny the deity of Christ. He's not God. He's just a good prophet. That's all God, Christ is. But here we have, I am the Alpha and Omega. You've already told me back in verse 8, that it was the Lord God that wrote the book. And at the end, he signs it. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you the testimony for the churches. I am the root, the offspring of David, bright morning star. I digress there. Uh, by the way, if, if you're interested in getting into a deeper study, I would be happy to come in on a Wednesday night and, and sit Uh, I just might need somebody to give me a ride home. I don't drive well in the dark anymore. Um, But if anybody wants to have a study in the book of Revelation, I'd be glad to do that. I had the opportunity to sit under a great, a fantastic preacher uh, professor that taught this, uh, Dr. Ralph Howe. And uh, he he actually traveled around the the world uh, teaching the book of Revelation. You can't understand Revelation unless you study the book of Daniel. You can't understand Daniel in its entirety until you study the book of Revelation. You have to look at both of them. It's, I, I liken this too when I, when I was coaching softball or baseball, that if you want to be a good pitcher, you need to kneel down and be a catcher and try being a catcher. You want to be a catcher, you go stand there at the pitcher's mound, throw some balls in there, and see what it's like for the pitcher and, and understand that. Play both those positions. Then you can be a good pitcher or you can be a good catcher. But you have to do both. You want to understand Revelation? Understand Daniel. You want to understand Daniel? Understand Revelation. So we come back to Mark. But in those days following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. And we're seeing this now at the end of the tribulation period. At that time, men will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory, and he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heaven. Now, learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Now, if you go back into Isaiah, throughout the Old Testament, the fig tree is symbolic of the nation of Israel. And so we see this when it's growing. Many Bible scholars, and I stand with them on this, believe that this verse refers to the rebirth of the nation of Israel. 1949, Israel reemerges as a nation and, and a very strong nation to this day in the Middle East. Uh, I believe that's that's what that verse is referring to. That was one of the signs. Remember the song? Signs, signs, everywhere a sign. Do this, don't do that. Here's signs for us. Now learn this lesson. You know then that the summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know it is near. That is the second coming. Can I tell you how important this is? Can I give you a glimpse? One of the greatest prophetic points in the scripture was the coming of the Messiah. All the verses throughout the Old Testament referring to the coming of the Messiah. Jesus is coming. The Messiah is coming. Going to be born of a virgin. Going to be born in that stable. All those verses that refer to the first coming, the first advent, for every one of those verses, there are eight verses that refer to the second coming. That tells me so much more right there that there's a reason, again, the preponderance of the evidence, all of the verses referring to a second coming. I tell you the truth, this generation, and by the way, I don't believe we were referring to the people at that point, but the generation that will be alive at that time will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. God's word is eternal. Study more, learn more, memorize God's word. It's eternal. Now, verse 32. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the sun, But only the Father. Remember I told you he put certain restrictions so that he could be in a physical body. This was one of the restrictions, I believe, that God placed within himself when he came to earth in the physical form. Not even the son knew when this would occur. Couldn't put a date. And yet, there are people in their arrogance, in their foolishness, that put together a calendar, and they said, you know, we add this up. Um, there was a, a Reverend Miller back in the uh, late 1800s. that He preached this. That was his whole ministry. I've got it figured out. I put all these dates together, and the 2,550 days are actually years, and this is when God's coming back. And so he had all his followers in Zion, Illinois. They all went out on a hillside. He had them all dressed in white. So they'd be dressed already for this this event. Had them dressed in white. And there they were. And, And the Millerites they were referred to. They didn't go up. Because no one knew. Not even Reverend Miller. In 1976, I received in the mail, as I was pastoring at that time, a booklet. And the booklet said, you must read this. So I looked it over, and it said, 77 reasons why the Lord will return in 77. (gasps) It's 1976. We better all get ready. He's coming in 77. He's got 77 reasons. And in 1978, I got another booklet. (laughs) Why the Lord didn't come in 77. Man cannot put a date on this but I want to promise you this. Oh, my dear family, my friends, brothers and sisters, Jesus is coming again. And it's, it's going to occur in two events. We're going to have a rapture period, seven years of tribulation. By the way, the first three and a half years look like relative peace until things start happening. And that second, when the beast, Satan himself, reveals himself and says, I'm in control. I'm taking over the earth. And then we see, by the way, uh, Tri touched upon the number five and the significance of it last week. And um, I I might add there are five judgments that we will go through. But on the face of the earth, the pouring out of the judgments, um, it tells us there will be hail, a hundred-pound hailstone. Could you imagine? What, a hundred? Now, you could do the math, you could correct me. I worked with a young man one time, and I was showing him how to use a transit and lining up buildings, and I had these looking really right down perfect with, within an eighth of an inch, the front of these buildings that I was uh, doing for Earl Holdings. And, and he said, you know, Dan, he said, I've learned more math here <laughs> in the last three weeks than I learned in four years of high school. And, and I said, I'm sorry to hear that, but let's just continue it. And and so, do the math. A hundred pound piece of hail. You want to guess at how big that is? You take the weight of water, freeze it, the dimension, the increase in size. You don't need to do all the math, I'll tell you. It's about 30 inches. Could you imagine a 30-inch hailstone coming down? A 30-inch hailstone weighing 100 pounds, landing on a person's, going to be about the same equivalent of you stepping on a grape. That's the impact it will have. Hell breaks loose on earth. God's going to bring judgment against them. So we go on down. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the sun, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. Same term, bleppo, bleppo. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door, keep watch. Therefore, keep watch. Again, the same term, bleppo, bleppo. Be on guard, keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back. I remember years ago in the uh, late 50s, a young boy who got caught in an undertow and the dad was trying to go out to swim and pull him back in and the boy was on one of these tubes and uh, was drifting away and the dad said, just relax, I'll be back in a little bit. And it was about an hour later And they found this boy had drifted down the coast of New Jersey considerably. And when they interviewed the boy, they said, were you worried? He says, no, my dad said he would be back. I wasn't worried. So for you and I, brothers and sisters, our heavenly dad says, I'm coming again. I'm coming again. Get up in the morning, look up and say, Lord, this could be the day. Um... In my family, my father-in-law, Guy Debrun was the uh, business director at Rutgers University. And um, he would go into work, and there was a secretary he had in there. And she was very cheerful and a very happy woman. And he went into that office one day, and he finally asked her, and she was smiling. I'm, I'm taking after a try on this. He said, today's a rainy, cloudy day. How can you be so cheerful on a day like this? And she said, oh, Mr. DeBrun, don't you know in the scripture, it said Jesus was taken up in the clouds, and it'll be in the clouds that he meets us again. It'll be a cloudy day. Now, it might be sunny here, but somewhere there's a cloud that Jesus is coming again. Like the little boy, I wasn't worried. My dad said he would come for me. Folks, we're not to worry, because God promised he's going to take us up out of this earth. We'll come back, spend that thousand years with them, and there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. Therefore, keep watch, verse 35, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether at the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. So, What's that mean for us today? I mentioned before, some years back, I um, up at family camp, I, I preached, taught a lesson on rewards—the difference between salvation and rewards. A lot of people in their mind think of salvation as something that is a reward. It's not. Salvation is a gift. It is freely given. The right to be called a child of the king is given to us freely. And so a reward is what will occur after we have taken the time. And I think of people in this church family that have blessed others, taken time to be a blessing to so many others. Your activity supporting people that are less um, gifted as you are, maybe up on the reservation even so i taught the lesson on the rewards and i don't know if any of you have them but do you remember i gathered the crowns for burger king and there are five crowns again the number five there are five crowns given as rewards i believe these crowns are what we're going to surrender and lay at the feet of jesus when we're in heaven with him um The bottom word here, he says, what I say to you, I say to everyone, watch, blepo. So we have here a crown of righteousness from 2 Timothy, and I believe Tanyan has that verse on the board, 2 Timothy chapter four and verse eight. And this is not only for his faithfulness, but for those that love his appearing. You should be joyful and that's a crown that I believe. Every one of you, I hope when we get to heaven and I see you wearing your crown. I, um, I, I went to Burger King back in that day and I said, I'm doing a lesson and it's on crowns. Can I buy some of your crowns? And So I put on each one of the crowns, the, the incorruptible crown, the crown of rejoicing, crown of righteousness, crown of glory, the crown of life. And I, I wrote that on these and then I handed them out is there anybody that kept a crown by chance? I, I'd have gotten you some crowns for today, but Burger King's closed. So I couldn't get you a crown. <laughs> but I want you to remember these crowns. Some people assume that they're just figurative, and, and that may or may not be. I believe that there's actually going to be something that we see sitting upon the head of God's people. So crown of rejoicing, crown of triple crown, a crown of righteousness So, what does that mean for us? I'll sum this up. I was told one time that the best message is when you have a great introduction and a great closing and there's little in between those two. (laughs) So, I want to tell you, in Matthew, as I said, corresponds with uh, Mark 13, Matthew 24. Five signs... I give you five rewards. Now, I'm giving you five signs of Christ's return. In Matthew 24, verses 4 and 5, false prophets. There's a lot of junk out there, folks. There's a lot of garbage out there that's being preached as coming from God. And I would say one of the largest growing churches we've seen in the country here, they have their own divinely inspired book. But... (laughs) Uh, by the way, Steve, Steve is, is a doctor extraordinaire when it comes to the feet. And uh I I had a problem with a foot and I went in and see got a picture and gave me all the technical names, but he, he said, You need to do this. And I'm standing and, and I don't even have that brace on today, my friend, because he knew what he was doing. He he told me something and it worked. And and I don't have that pain because he knew what he was doing. Well, I want to tell you that this church that has grown so large, their holy book has been changed and altered 1,600 times. If I went to Steve and Steve said, I think, Dan, we should try this, and it didn't work, and I will come back again, and I went back to him, by the ninth time that I went back to Steve, I'd be thinking, I need another opinion. If our book had to be changed 1,600 times, get out of there, folks. Run. Get away. That's not God's work. You know, we we hear about prophets, very popular today. People want to know what's going on. The only prophecy you need to be tuned in right now is Jesus is coming again. Five signs. False prophets, Wars and rumors of war. Anybody ever get to the United Nations? I went there probably about 1960, and it's impressive. Did you know that more wars have occurred after the United Nations opened up than in all history and generations preceding? What's wrong with this picture? Man's solutions, man's results, yeah. Wars, false prophets... Famines and earthquakes. Uh, Somebody yesterday, Bill, did you talk to me yesterday about an explosion or something that shook? It it wouldn't surprise me. Um, I went to visit one of my grandsons in California in the Marine Corps Southern California, and, um, and we were in a motel. And that morning, I felt this, this shaking of the ground, and I'm just a Wyoming guy. I'm not sure what's going on. Then the light went off, you know, light, and uh, I realized, well, that was an earthquake. After I watched it on the news, of course, then I put it together. Famines and earthquakes. Um, we have such a problem with homelessness in this country we kind of just do turn the blind eye to it Um, if you have some time look at kensington street in philadelphia i have a in-law relation that's a police officer in philadelphia and um, and talk about kensington street look at that on youtube sometime Uh, persecution Uh, more believers are being lost every day to persecution And we don't realize how many are dying in this. Uh, And then verse 14 of chapter 24 of Matthew, spread of the gospel. The gospel, uh, these these Christmas boxes, they're going to places that have never heard the word before. And so that's why we push this and we encourage to be involved in Operation Christmas Child. Not only is a good... For the gospel to spread that news. It's actually good for this nation. They know that this is coming from people in the United States. That care for them beyond just the gift box. But care for them spiritually as well. Those are the five things you look for. All right, our part. This is it. I promise I'm at the end. Um, and, And I know the song group will come back up here. As I pray. And they'll be back up. Uh, by the way, before you leave, I asked Tanya to look up a song and, uh, and to pray. You know how we, we learn, hear that music. Sandy Patty. Anybody ever hear Sandy Patty? Um, she does a song called, We Shall Behold Him. And so I asked Tanya, you know, when we're leaving, I want that song in the back of people's heads. We Shall Behold Him. All right, our part. This involves here, watch. The last word of chapter 13, watch. Number one, believe. Don't doubt, don't wonder. Believe that Jesus is coming. Every prophecy that has been fulfilled has been fulfilled exactly as it was given to us. You can depend upon it if it's in God's word. God's word says it, I believe, and that settles it quite simply for me. All right, number two, pray for his coming. I want you to have that crown. I want you to have that crown. Love his coming. Look forward to it with excitement. Man, I look forward to that time. I look forward to it. And then preach, share the gospel with as many people as you can. Um, I I have a uh, a rental property that needed a lawnmower. And I saw a lawnmower advertised by a fella. And um, $20, couldn't pass up a deal like that. So I, I, I typed in, is it available? Yes. So I made arrangements to go pick it up, and I had on my Operation Christmas Child hat, and he said, my wife and I used to collect that over at the, uh, the nursing home, Westview. We used to do that, collect hundreds and hundreds of boxes. Today we collect thousands of boxes here. And uh, so great opportunity. And, uh, and I visited with this man, talked to this man a little bit, and I realized that this was not... Because I needed a $20 mower. Because God set that appointment up, not by accident, but by design. That I could visit with this man and invite him to join a church family like this. Because he's not attached to a church. So, four items that apply to us. Believe that he's coming. Pray for his coming. Love his coming. And share the gospel when you can. You meet somebody you haven't met before, understand that that's not an accident. That's by divine design. And and talk to that person. Now, I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray for you. So, I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads. I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes and picture that Heavenly Father that's as excited as you are to be joined with Him in the very near future. We call this the doctrine of imminency because it's imminent. It could happen at any time. Lord Jesus, as we bow our heads, we thank you and recognize that you are not through with us. And Lord, that you have a plan that falls before us, Lord, to join with you for eternity. We thank you, Lord, for the joy knowing while we don't know what day that will be, we do know that it will be that you're coming again. Now, Father, I pray if there be one here today that has never trusted you, that has a doubt whether they have the gift of salvation before they leave here, Lord, that they would talk to myself or one of the elders here within the church. Father, I pray this, that they would have that same joy that we have today. Father, we look forward to being joined with you. And these things we pray today, Jesus We praise you've told us to do in the power of your name. Amen.